Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. The Titans are on deck. How might the matchup with the familiar AFC foe be different this time around? We dive into it. Buffalo's defensive line exceeded expectations in Week 1. What do their numbers from that performance tell us about that group going forward? And ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder helps us out with the Bills' pass-rush win rate. Say that really fast. Is it Monday night yet? an exciting wait until week two Bills versus Titans and we will examine it closely in a number of ways here on Bills by the Numbers where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you and we come out of the blocks with a familiar opponent for the Bills and the Tennessee Titans. These two teams have met in the regular season each of the last five years. If you pull out the 2020 matchup that got moved to a random Tuesday because of COVID issues three of their last four meetings have been decided by a total of 11 points. The games, for the most part, have been very competitive. Are we expecting another nip-and-tuck game, or has there been some separation, Steve, between these two teams over this past offseason? Well, I think the Bills got better. I don't think there's any question about it. They got better on both sides of the line of scrimmage up front, and I think that's going to make them better on the edges, no question. And um, I think Tennessee, there's some question marks there as to whether they got better. There's no way you can think they got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones taken off their roster and they yeah. got better. But they've been winning. So if you take the edge off the Tennessee and you give the edge to Buffalo, it may be another close game with Buffalo having the edge in this game rather than Tennessee. I, I think it was more subtraction than addition for the Titans this past offseason due to the giant $87.5 million contract extension they handed past rusher Harold Landry, and unfortunately Landry's gone for the season. ACL injury before week one, that is a huge loss for them, and I think they're depending on a lot of rookies to kind of fill the void for them in the starting lineup. Uh, when you look at it, their starting right tackle is a rookie in Nicolas petit Freire. if I'm saying that right, Freire. Um <laughs> Not good with the French. Took a lot of Spanish in school, no French. Roger McCreary is their starting nickel, uh, their second-round pick, and Traylon Burks is their top-slot receiver, the first-round draft choice. So they also have a rookie punter and a rookie punt returner. So there's a lot to depend on there and maintain your standing in a stacked AFC conference. So I think there has been some separation. I think the Titans have kind of slid back to the pack a little bit, and the Bills have kind of pushed forward into the forefront with the Chiefs. Um, And we should mention, in in the meetings with the Bills and Titans in the Sean McDermott era, the two teams uh, have pretty much split it down the middle for the most part. So two wins apiece. In Buffalo's two victories, they grabbed the lead first, relinquished it for a total of just under five minutes. In their two losses, they never had the lead for very long. So with last year's game very much a back-and-forth affair, six of the Titans' 12 victories last year, Steve, by three points or less. That's I think that's a sign of a really good coaching staff. In the first first weekend of the season, it's been highlighted about how some of the coaching decisions late in games were blunders. Yeah. I know you like Vrabel. Mike Vrabel never does that. I mean, they always have the right decision maker on the sidelines. They always do the right thing and actually give some, themselves an edge in certain situations. So, yeah, you're not going to get any breaks from Vrabel and his crew and their game management like some of the teams did but, this first weekend. Okay, but knowing that they typically grind out games and their their playing style would indicate that's how they have to win more often than not, run the hell out right. of the ball, play solid defense, and grind out victories, what can we say – 
maybe about the Bills, if they can get a lead early, force the Titans' offense to play catch-up by playing a style they're not used to playing. Yeah, the Bill, let's face it. The Bills like piling it on. I mean, when they start getting them, when they find something and matchups and, and all of that, Ken Dorsey in the, in the past, Brian Dable, the Bills with Josh, they sling it. I would say this. I would say Tennessee will do their best, and it sounds crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee does their best to give Allen, Josh Allen a run game uh, himself and then take their shots at him, try and beat him up a little bit. Uh, I think they will invite Josh to run the football um, because they know this. If he stands in the pocket and slings it, they're done because they'll, they'll, rack, up, they'll rack up too many points for the, the Titans to keep up with the running game. So I think that's going to be one of the ways teams get after the Bills is to invite the run game and hope Josh Allen keeps it in his hands and then uh, take your shots. Still, all that being said, I think getting up early – on the Titans is an achievable goal for Buffalo. I realize the Titans are going to be motivated coming in here after the, they gave a game away to the Giants last week. You don't want to start the season 0-2 right. in this stacked conference for sure. And ironically enough, the Titans were up 13 to nothing on the Giants early last week and blew the lead because they couldn't stop the run. Right. Saquon Barkley ran wild. They gave up 238 yards on the ground to the Giants. Um, a team that threw the ball just 21 times last week. I don't see the Titans as a come-from-behind team, so I'd very much like to see the Bills get up on the scoreboard early and then maybe pull Tennessee out of that run-first philosophy. And, and to do that, Steve, Buffalo's defensive front is going to have to perform in a much different way than they did last week, you know, knocking Matthew Stafford all over the yard, hitting right. 22 <clears throat> times on 41 dropbacks. I don't think Tannehill's dropping back 41 times in this game. Derrick Henry. If he does, the game's going the way you said. The Bills are going to get up, and, yeah. and, and Tannehill's going to have to back off. I think one of the if they throw it 40 times also, you're right, first and second down are going to be run stuffs for the Bills' defense. Um, and that's Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, and Jordan Phillips. Those guys. That's right. Those guys have got to stand up. They're going to get pushed around, and the, the Titans have to run the football to be effective offensively. We know that. And like you said, their, their new slot guy, Phillips, is a first-year player. They've got um, Tav- Trayvon. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, who's a first-year player. I mean, they're really they're dependent they're on, a, depending lot on a lot of youth young guys. Yeah. and. The Bills are a team that's going to put them in some spots, particularly with their secondary and their safeties, where it's going to be tough to make hay in the passing game. But even more so if you get into those third and longs. So I, yeah, the Bills' defense is good. There, there's no question about it. They're a really good group. And Tennessee's going to have to play really well to score points on them. And the way the Bills' offense is clicking – yeah, you got to give the edge to Buffalo in this, but I, I just I don't want to go too far down that road thinking this is going to be a double-digit win for Buffalo because I've just seen t- Tennessee play tough too many times. Yeah, they're a gritty team. Uh, they keep games closed. The question here is, does the Bills' revamped run front fare better than they have in the recent past? We saw the pass rush fare better in Week 1. Does the run front fare better here in week two, because back in 2019, right. with Jordan Phillips on this roster, they held Derrick Henry to 78 yards on 20 carries, 3.9 average, tight game. Titans did not have to move away from their run game since it's a one-score game throughout. And knowing Phillips is back, you got Daquan Jones, who knows Henry inside and out, having been his teammate, and Tim Settle, whose strength, I believe, is run defense. 
I think the Bills should have a better performance against Absolutely. Henry this time around. You know, knowing their offensive line, too, is still getting their legs under them. Roger Saffold isn't there. He's here. David Questenberry isn't there. He's here. So they're also plugging holes with rookies. Right, right. And, and I'll say this, too. Already it's begun. I mean, uh, <laughs> Jordan Phillips and, and Tim Settle and, and some of these guys have been spouting off on social media, and so has uh, Taylor Luan, left tackle for the Tennessee Titans. Oh, God, they've had a little. They've had a little bit of a conversation oh. already on social media. Um, it, it's going to be a, a contest. Um, but, yeah, 2019, 20 carries for Derrick Henry for 78 yards and 3.9 average. You'll live with that. Right, As, if you're the Bills, yes, you take that absolutely because uh, I think uh, 20 carries is a lot. Um, I'd love to see it if they if they, he'd have like two or three or maybe four or five of those carries be for zero or negative yards yeah. to get him in the backfield. That's that's a tough row to hoe, uh, and I, that scares people off the running game really quickly when you do that. But that's what they're going to be up against, and we'll see. Uh, you can bet. Tennessee will run at the I – mean, Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips and Daquan Jones down inside, you can bet that Tennessee is going to run at the corners, run at the edge of that defense. Yeah. So now you're talking edge setting. So you wonder this Vaughn week, is, and, is and Shaq Groot. Lawson up because right. he's a good edge setter? He might be. He might. He was down well, in week one. Rousseau's a good edge setter. Yeah. Vaughn's a good edge setter. But you've got to have two more behind him if you're going to rotate those guys in. Yeah. Uh, Boogie might be the guy in. But that's going to be the thing. I think they're going to run off outside the tackles mm. a lot this year, or at least stretch it and then come back at it. Uh, they might do a lot of this pin and pull stuff where they get the line, wide receivers lined up tight and crash down on the end of the line of scrimmage and then bring the linemen from the inside out and kick out that way. Robert Woods um, is a good blocking Robert receiver. Robert Woods is excellent at that. But having Robert Woods as your number one receiver at this point, it gives the edge to Buffalo's secondary. Um, so I'm – I'm confident that the Bills are going to know they're going to put on their big boy pads and come in and expect, you know, a, a belly full of the run game. We'll discuss Bills Titans and the battle at the line of scrimmage a bit later when ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder joins us to discuss pass rush win rate for the Bills and the Titans from Week One. But we move along now to the numbers game where Steve will be tasked. Do you like that? Tasked, tasked with providing answers to these recent Bills. Titans matchups. Here we go. Question number one. In the four Bills-Titans meetings in the McDermott era, Steve, how many times did the team that scored first win the game? Four meetings. How many times did the team that scored first win the game? All four. And you would be correct. Two wins apiece for each team. All four times the team that scored first won the matchup. Get on the board, Bills, Uh, on Monday night. Question number two. In the Bills' two wins over the last four meetings against the Titans, what was their third down conversion percentage in the two victories, if you had to guess? I realize this is a blind guess, but in their two victories, what would you guess their third down conversion percentage to be? And I'll I'll give you a range of 5% leeway. I'll say 60%. And you would be terribly off. Listen to this, Steve. 31% conversion rate. Really? In two wins. They won eight, those games. Eight for 26. I'm still thinking about the 90% they had last week. Thinking that's pretty now, good. listen, here, this will make your head spin even more. In Buffalo's two losses to the Titans, their third down conversion rate was 70%. 21 of 30. So 
Their Wait, two, I thought you just said it was 30%. In their two losses, oh, it was okay. 70. In their losses, it was Is 70%. Is that amazing? Wait, it's backwards? It's backwards. Because, number one, their two wins were earlier in the McDermott era before the yeah, offense before really, took really took off. And that. the defense kind of held them in and they won games. And then when their offense took off, they lost. They lost, what, what was it, 34-31? They're moving the ball all over the place. And they lost that stupid Tuesday night game, 42 to whatever. I knew that game was going to be a loss before it happened. 70% conversion in those two games. They were 21 of 30 on third down. Amazing. Question three. How many plays of 20 yards or more did the Bills have in their two wins over the Titans? Now, you know they didn't convert a whole lot on third down in those two wins. How many big plays did they have, do you think, in their two wins over the I'll Titans? I'll say two. Dead on the money, Steve. They had two. Yeah, I knew that. Meanwhile, was... in their two losses, they had six. Yeah. It's all backwards. It's all wonky. Crazy. No. Question four. Who provided the game-winning points in the Bills' win over the Titans in 2018? Duke Johnson. No, Duke Williams. It was not Duke Williams. It was Steven Hauschka oh, with a 46-yard field goal at the gun to win 13-12. to That was here in Buffalo. Question five. Who provided the game-winning points in the Bills' win over the Titans in 2019? Duke Williams. Duke Williams. There you go. Seven-yard touchdown it. pass from one. Josh Allen with 9.46 in the fourth quarter. If we remember, Steve, the only reason the Bills won that game 14-7, to there was a certain kicker who missed four field goals. He missed from 50, 36, had a 33-yarder blocked, and a missed 53-yarder, and the Titans lose 14-7 instead of winning 19-14 if he made all of those. Do you remember the kicker by any chance? Bonus question. No. He was cut the next day. Yeah. Well, he's a familiar kicker, veteran kicker in the league. I think he's still kicking right now. Who was it? Al it, Del Greco. It was, the, <laughs> it was not Al Del Greco. It was Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos. How about that? Four, three misses, and one block. Daryl Johnson, former Bills oh, yeah. defensive lineman with the block nice. field goal on that. All right. That was fun trip down memory lane. Here in the numbers game, not a bad job, Steve. Thank you. All right, good good work there. That was after an impressive primetime performance by Buffalo's revamped defensive line. We turn now to ESPN analytics writer Seth Walter, Seth Walder, sorry, to break it down by player when it comes to pass rush win rate and how the Titans may test the Bills' defensive front differently in Week Two. Here is Seth. All right, Seth, let's start here. The Bills come firing out of the blocks with huge pass rush success with their newly revamped D-line. Seven sacks, 15 quarterback hits on 41 Matthew Stafford dropbacks. That's more than half the time he's getting hit. Um, But the task is much different this week with a run-first team in Tennessee. Um, So you look at the team pass rush win rate that you guys put out this week on ESPN.com. And the Bills are ranked 10th as a team, 49%. Um, After seven sacks and 15 quarterback hits, I realize some fans might be like, how in the world are they 10th? Can you just map that out and lay that out uh, for laymen like us? Yeah, sure. So when we look at pass rush win rate on the team level, the question is, did someone beat their blocker 
within two and a half seconds. And that time element is really crucial. And that's usually when we have a sort of discrepancy with sacks or something like that, that's what's going on. It's going to be correlated certainly with sacks, but you can get sacks by, you know, after two and a half seconds or without beating your man within two and a half seconds. And a lot of times if you have, you know, good coverage or you're facing a quarterback that holds the ball, uh, that can that can happen. Like the Justin Fields was sacked uh, a bunch of times this week, or he had a high sack rate this week, and the Bears had the highest pass block win rate of any team this week. That can happen. Now, over the course of the season, I think you know you tend to see those things match up a, a decent amount. But yeah, I think still though there was also some really encouraging signs. Even if you look at the pass rush win rates, like you know Von Miller had a forty-seven percent individual. Yeah. Pass rush win rate. Right. That's extremely high. So, uh, yeah, I think 10th is low compared to what I think we would all maybe expect just having watched that game, right? What is what uh, is an individual, you know, win rate percentage? I mean, put this into context. What are, you know, if a guy has a 15 sack season, what's yeah. the percentage you're kind of looking at? It I think typically over the course of a year, the very highest edge rushers will be in the high 20s. Um, so I think you're, you're going to look at a TJ Watt or a Miles Garrett over the course of a year will be in that kind of like 28, 27, 29 range uh, as the very top, right? Uh, now, that's over the course of the season. In any game, for any stat, really, you know, you can have – everyone's going to have games that where they exceed what's, you know, possible over the course of the season. And, in fact, Von Miller didn't lead the league in pass rush win rate from edge. Michael Parsons was at an insane 60%. So to have a player in a week reach 47%, that's not, like, that shocking. Uh, but it's a, it's a great sign for them, especially coming off of what was – Von Miller had the, the best pass rush win rate postseason of any player in the history of the metric last year. It's only five years old, but still – uh, I think you have to be very happy if you're a Bills fan about what you saw out of Von Miller in, in week one. Yeah, no question. And I think what's interesting going forward here with the Bills week two matchup against Tennessee is you have two defensive tackles who tend to win um, a good deal in pass rush win rate in Jordan Phillips for the Bills, Jeffrey Simmons for the Titans. Both of those guys were in the top seven uh, this past week, I saw one of your posts on Twitter, at Seth Walder, for those that don't know. And um, it makes for a very interesting competition, I guess, for those of us watching the game. Uh, Harold Landry, though, is a key missing part of the equation. Now out for the season, I know Jeffrey Simmons can dominate seemingly whenever he wants to, but without Harold Landry there, i got to imagine his task is going to be tougher to keep this kind of of pass rush win rate up, right? Absolutely. Simmons is a guy that actually his numbers, well, while he had an excellent week one, his numbers have not always matched perception. We've been a little lower on him typically than I think his his reputation for, for what it's worth. I think, yeah, it's really hard to generate a lot of pass rush success as a, just kind of like a solo defensive tackle. You guys asked about the scale, right? Like for pass rush win rate. Yeah. And I met, I talked about Watt and Garrett. Well, it's a different scale when you're talking about defensive tackles. They just win less often. There's more traffic down there. Uh, you're just going to have less success. And so, yeah, it's awesome when you have a, a, a guy like Phillips, when he can be a complimentary piece to Von Miller. When it's your top guy, 
unless it's Aaron Donald who puts up edge rate num ed, top tier edge rate numbers from defensive tackle. I think it's I think it's way harder. I will say this: the one positive I, I would take away from from Tennessee, I think losing Harold Landry is a huge loss for them. Bud Dupree, I looked at his pass rush get off, which is basically the time to cross line of scrimmage uh, when you're pass rushing. And he last year dropped significantly in that. He was way slower than he'd been uh, the in 2020 when he – right, and he tore his ACL at the end. Right, of coming off the injury, yeah. Exactly. Now, this is one game, so who knows. But in one game this year, that pass rush win rate – or I'm sorry, that pass rush get-off number was back to his 2020 levels. And so mm. maybe, you know, he was coming off that injury – could didn't have quite the jump and maybe he's getting back. But I do think, yeah, that's not like, that's not a pass rush that overall is going to scare you without Harold Landry. Landry I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole with stats in this, but there should, there is there some sort of algorithm or, um, you know, statistical analysis you can put together where if, if you've got a player like Von Miller or TJ Watt or, uh, you know, Micah Parsons or somebody like that on the edge, that the win rate of the other guys is at such a it gets to a threshold where all of a sudden, you know, they become a force or dominant. You know what I mean? Is that if they're a mixture of win rates and percentages at those D lines that you found that if a if you got a great guy, but if you got one other guy or two other guys or three other guys that are at this threshold, everything changes. Is there stuff like that that you can dissect and you know kind of predict? That's a great question. I don't know that I have a perfect answer for win rates themselves. What I will say is this. I found in, in looking at studying sacks quite a bit, I think this is obvious, but it's still interesting to me when you see it borne out in the numbers where you, players have a higher sack expectation when they have other teammates on their team who get a lot of pass rush wins. And so, yeah, when you look at a guy like Leonard Floyd – in with the Rams, like he is clearly benefiting from Aaron Donald. The other way that this can sometimes play out is, is double teams um, and the, or the lack thereof uh, for some players. I think double teams overall are a mixture of a lot of factors. So the, the highest double team players is not necessarily like the best players. It has a lot to do with your alignment and the situation and whether your team's blitzing. But they certainly do draw more attention. Like Aaron Donald draws more attention to himself, and that does free up other players. I think you do tend to see that where you have, yeah, if you have a really good defensive tackle pass rusher, he might soak up more blockers, and it can just present more one-on-ones for your edge guys. Last one, Seth, from me. You, The Bills, as we mentioned, have a much different task with their defensive front with Derrick Henry than they did with Matthew Stafford last week. We look at the team run-stop win rate after one week, and the Bills are ranked 19th at 30%. Is that cause to panic, or is that one-game sample not nearly enough to kind of hang your hat on and worry about anything? I wouldn't panic about it. I mean, I think I, I, I had a predicted run-stop win rate that I do for uh, some fantasy stuff going into the year, and I it had the Bills kind of middle of the pack. So one game that sort of sort of matched up. I'm not sure it's going to be a strength long-term for them, but I wouldn't be that worried about it. You're not going to face that many teams like Tennessee. And frankly, like if, if teams are running on you as their primary form of attack, like I think 
teams will take that all day. It's just like, it's just less efficient than if you're facing, if you're the bills, like, wouldn't you rather face Derrick Henry than, than a Patrick Mahomes? Like, I, I yeah. think, uh, so I think that's just not the, it's just not the worst problem to have. I think if, if you're Buffalo. Yeah, no question. The league is all – it's not run and stop the run anymore. Right. Although, uh, occasionally – now, the Bills got into it last year in the 40-mile-per-hour win game where you, you just can't get a stop. And then you turn into – it turns into 1957 and, and you watch these guys three yards <laughs> in a cloud of dust. And 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 moving from there – and, Seth, just one last one for me. These – have you got um, – is pass rush what pass rush win – rate i mean is that your favorite stat about you know pass pressure or pass defense or is there a coverage uh stat that you like that in conjunction with this but is pass weight pass rush win rate you know is that the kind of standard right now well firstly as someone that said the words pass rush win rate on air many times i can empathize with that rw which just are just you know coming into conflict with one another (laughs) uh yeah i guess it I guess it's probably my favorite. Yeah, I think I think what I love about it and have always loved about it since we since we created was I just felt like when we evaluate pass rushers, we're looking at sacks. And even if you're a top guy, and sacks are great, it's important. But we're talking about you know maybe 15 plays over the course of your entire season. I want to know what happened on the other plays. And we know that you can have an impact on the game when you're not getting sacks. And we see this output if you look at pass rush win rates. Or you look at it like the more players that win defensively on a given play, the worse offensive production is on that play. I think that's intuitive. That's obvious. But again, it's one of those things where you don't know that's going to be the case until you see it borne out in the, in the numbers. So I have a lot of favorite stats. I'm not sure I, you know, they're like my children. I can't pick one over, over the other, but I do. I am a big, big win rate believer for sure. Awesome. Seth, thanks very much for the time. Thanks, thanks for dicing up the numbers with us as always. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you later in the season. Thank you, guys. All right, time for your chance to win a million dollars with FanDuel's free Pick'em style game, High Low. Pick teams for four different stat categories that you think will score the highest or lowest for the week. The more you get right, the more you can win. Get them all correct, and you could take home a million dollars. Just go to fanduel.com slash high low to play. Steve and I make these picks each week, and I'm going to take the high-low on points. So high for me for points this week. I'm going to go with the Colts after rolling up a ton of yards last week, but just 20 points in their tie with Houston. They've got Jacksonville, and while that defense is better this year, I think Indianapolis has a chance to really explode on the Jaguars this week. So Colts high for points, low for points. I'm going with a bit of an obvious one here. The Dallas Cowboys have to play an angry Cincinnati Bengals team after they blew their week one game in overtime against Pittsburgh, and the Cowboys will be doing it with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Mm. I think points are going to be hard to come by for the Cowboys. So Dallas, low for points. Steve, you got high-low on passing yards. Passing yards, I'm going to go with the Rams. We just saw this last week. Uh, Very Really surprised at how much the Rams struggled to run the football last week. Not so much now that I kind of got a little bit more faith in the Bills' defense, but the Falcons' defense is not the Buffalo Bills'. And I think L.A. is going to throw it a, a bunch. I think they're going to throw it all over the yard this week. So in an effort to bounce back from that humbling one week one loss, I think Stafford bounces back in a big way. Then for low yards, 
For passing, uh, I got to go with the Cleveland Browns. They've been a good rushing team for a few years. They're going to lean on that. And against the New York football Jets, they're going to have success on the ground. Jacoby Brissett won't need to do too much. So for the low on passing yards, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. All right. I'm going a bit off the radar here as far as high for rushing yards. Taking a flyer on the Detroit Lions. They ran all over the Eagles last week, who have a good defensive front. DeAndre Swift had a big day last week. I think he can do it again when they play Washington. The commanders are an underachieving defensive front. So I'm rolling the dice with Detroit there. Then low for rushing yards, I'm going with the Raiders. Their offensive line is simply not good enough. They couldn't run against the Chargers last week, and I don't think it gets much better against the Cardinals. So low for rushing yards, the Raiders. Mm -hmm. All right, for sacks. I'm going to take the 49ers. Geno Smith is going to come back down to earth this week. They struggled in the second half even last week. Um, they won in, in Denver on Monday night, but Nick Bosa and company are going to come in, and they're going to have success against those guys. They know them extremely well. They're in the same division. So high for sacks is San Francisco 49ers for mm. me. The low for sacks, I'm going to take Green Bay. They lost to Darius Smith in free agency. They had trouble getting to Kirk Cousins last week. And Justin Fields is a difficult guy to catch, you know. So if even if they have some success in the pass rush, Fields will just walk away from him. Uh, he'll leave the pocket early as well. So I think the Packers will get the lowest in sacks. All right. That is FanDuel's free-to-play high-low game. Make sure you get on board and take your swings in these high-low categories for NFL Week 2. Our closing figure this week concerns Buffalo's game on Monday night. It's been a while since the Bills won a Monday night game at home. How long, you ask? The last time is almost 28 years ago to the day. September 26th, 1994, the Bills beat the Broncos 27-20. Thurman Thomas and Carwell Gardner combined for three touchdowns in the win. Do you remember anything from that game, Steve? Because you played in it. I remember Thurman and Carwell, <laughs> but I don't remember them scoring three touchdowns. Thurman and Carwell, they're friends of mine. Thurman had two, Carwell had one. I, I, I know I had great seats for that game. I was standing right next to Marv. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's how long it's been. 28 yeah, years since a, a Monday time. night home win. We'll see if the Bills can do it against the Titans on Monday night in week two. And that'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when our next episode drops. Just put it in the search bar, Bills by the Numbers. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week, everybody. 